So I'd like to uh, begin this uh, exploration together just with acknowledging uh, people's presence and practice being here. It's, um, I've been really struck on this retreat I and mean, there's so many of us, but we're also so spread across the globe. I mean, there's people here from China, from Hong Kong, from Australia, from North America, from India, um, from all over Europe, yeah. from Israel. I mean, might be lots of other locations that I'm not aware of. I'm just kind of just aware of that. And, um, you know, for some of us, you know, the time thing is really challenging. I mean, there's people here staying up till three in the morning to, to be with us or, or waking up potentially at three in the morning or something like that. And, and I just think um, I've, been, I've been really blown away by that. And I just wanted to bring it into our shared space, you know, to feel this, um, you know, can we feel the support that that offers, you know, and can we be inspired you know, not, not in a way that diminishes whatever the challenges that we're facing are. You know, we might find it difficult to, to get up at seven or eight. <laughs> um, and so we're not diminishing that, but we're just kind of opening up. And how can we be uh, inspired by this and feel the support and also feel how we're supporting? Yeah, there's always those two sides. Yeah when we come together as a community in this way, we're being supported and we're also um, supporting each other when we show up for, for practice. Yeah. And that can be um, a real resource for us, a real, a real source of um, empowerment in our practice to remember that, yeah, that we're supporting others. And of course, not just the others here in this particular community. So I really wanted to start with that, to kind of bring that in to uh, set the tone a little bit for our exploration. And then I also wanted to invite you to notice, um, just notice right now, just check in. You don't even need to close your eyes. You can if it's more helpful, but just check in with the body, with the heart and the mind. You know, what's present in experience right now? How's the body right now? How's the heart? How's the mind? And seeing if we can really soften around this, and I'm going to use this word again, welcome, but kind of let's soften the agenda. <laughs> you know, whatever language we use, for some of us, it's going to bring contraction. So we really need to soften, you know welcome, uh, how do I do that? You know, like it you know, might kind of contract and tense up and, and can help to bring some humor to that, to just see that, okay, that's what we do as human beings. And can we soften, just say, can I relax to some degree, yeah, with, with the present body and mind conditions? Yeah. And maybe I can bring in um, some ease, even a little bit through maybe a calming, um, an opening kind of breath or through relaxing areas of tension in the body. Yeah. Might be one way that we do that. Another way that we might do that, and I think I've been seeing some of you do it, is, is just kind of take time to look at other people here. 
I think I've been, I might be imagining or projecting, but I think I've seen people do this, you know, we did it yesterday and just taking time to do that and just look at other people here and just look at one person or a few people and just have that sense of, I'm really, I'm really glad that you're here. I don't know you at all. I'm just really glad that you're here, really welcoming you to be here. You know, and I don't need to do, I don't need to know anything about you for that. That's one of the incredible things about our human heart mind, actually. You know, we look at someone and, and we know enough, you know. We know this is someone who knows joy and they know sorrow. You know, they've got challenges in their lives, they've got beauty in their being, you know. They've got things and beings that they love. And that's actually, you know, enough. That's all we need to know about each other in order to, to really feel, oh, I'm glad you're here, or to kind of bring that intention and welcoming you into this space. Just noticing any of those things, you know, welcoming our own experience, relaxing any tension, breathing, gladdening the heart through connecting with another's presence. Any of those things, if we can do them, enjoying the cats and the dogs that are with us in this hall. This is, by the way, one of the great benefits of online retreats. We get cats and dogs and sometimes children with us. So does any of that, you're just noticing, we're open to that, does any of that impact our experience in any way? What does it do? And, and we'll just kind of notice that and come back to it in a little bit. So I want to I wanna start with a, um, or continue, I've already started. <laughs> I like starting, I like beginnings. Um, with, uh, with a story, it's something that just happened recently when I was on retreat. Um, and we'll use that as a, as a teaching story for, for this talk. Uh, so we were uh, very kindly um, offered a, a house of some extended family to, to go and do a, a, a few weeks of retreat um, in holiday home and uh, you know really you know very generous great space you know I had this wonderful room to to practice in and and um, next door yeah to where we were uh, there live a couple of dogs and uh Sometimes when I was meditating, quite often actually, those dogs would really bark. They'd really, really bark. And so really interesting for me at least, it might be boring for you, it's very interesting to see the different ways this dog barking, what it would trigger, what would arise. Yeah. So sometimes there'd be irritation, you know, they're really disturbing my practice. It's really hard, you know, really barking, really hard. Sometimes uh, there'd be compassion, yeah, because they're barking for a reason. <laughs> yeah, they wanted contact. 
with humans. And they had quite a, you know, they were in an enclosed space outside. Sometimes there might be judgment arising, you know, self-judgment, come on, you know. You've been practicing for 25 years. <laughs> and I know, you know, I know you. I know you're going to use this in a story, in a Dharma talk, you know. You're going to embarrass yourself. Yeah. And so there might be judgment towards myself. You know, Come on, get over it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there might be judgment towards the owner or owners of these dogs. You know, what, what are they doing, you know? Why are they not letting them inside? Yeah. What are they doing? Sometimes there'd be meta. Yeah. There'd be this sense of just kindness and boundaryless in the care. As to the dogs, yeah, to their owners, to, you know, the aspects of our humanity that kind of create these kind of conditions. Yeah. Sometimes there'd be no disturbance at all. <laughs> there'd just be dogs barking. And there'd be no disturbance at all. You know, the heart mind would just stay gathered, stay unified. Whole team would stay together. And uh, practice would deepen. So what can we understand from this? You know, why am I sharing this, this story? Yeah, why am I sharing this experience? What can we understand? Well, we can understand one of the most important, maybe the most important insight of the Buddhist teachings. You know, so our teacher Rob, Rob Bear, you know, he used to say, he still says, <laughs> he passed away in May, but he's still teaching. He said, he says um, that this thread of insight, this particular thread of insight takes us all the way. You know, we can see it in our experience. I'm going to say what it is in a minute. Don't worry. <laughs> Just building up the suspense. You can see it in our own experience very clearly. And it deepens and deepens and deepens and takes us into deeper and more freeing understandings. Yeah, all the way to um, awakening, whatever we think that is. And so this thread of insight, this insight is that there's always a way of looking. There's always a way of relating. And Nathan was speaking about this yesterday. At play, when there's an experience. Yeah. So what we tend to see, yeah, when we just look at our experience in a normal human way is there's an object there's something going on the dogs are barking yeah and there's there's how it's impacting me <laughs> it's irritating me yeah or it's triggering compassion you know but we don't see that in between there's a relationship there's a way of looking there's a way of relating i am going to say this another way and we're going we're gonna to be really talking about this a lot over the day. So if it, it, it's not making sense yet, hang in there. Okay. I'm going to say this another way. The mood, the mind state, the dominant habit, the intention, the view that are present 
in our heart and mind. Yeah. Color perception. Yeah. They impact, they shape what we perceive and how we perceive. They shape what we experience. Okay. This is, this is, this, this is so important. And I'm going to relate it back to the dogs. Okay. So the same happening. Yeah. This object was the same. Dogs were barking. Dogs are barking. Yeah. That was the same. Yeah. And yet different experiences. Yeah. Sometimes irritation, sometimes compassion, sometimes meta, sometimes judgment. Yeah. Sometimes no impact at all, no disturbance. So what's happening there? What's changed? Yeah. Many conditions come into play, but what matters to us, what interests us is this, this, this. Yeah, what's going on in here? Yeah. That creates different experiences. And what's going on here is what we're calling ways of looking, ways of relating. And they include our mood, our mind state, um, the habits of our mind, yeah, and what, whatever is dominant at the moment, our intentions, our views, yeah. What's present in the heart-mind in Pali, the word is chitta, and we might use it a lot, heart-mind together, yeah. That colors and shapes experience. I'm just going to pause a moment and invite you to reflect on how you know this for yourself. Yeah. And you know this. Someone says something. <laughs> yeah. Do you always react in the same way? Or is the state of the cheetah, the heart mind in the moment, does that contribute? Yeah, and this goes very deep, yeah. Don't know if you've ever had this experience, but, you know, sometimes emails are really helpful for this. Don't go looking at them. <laughs> but sometimes, you know, I receive an email and I'm really kind of, oh, wow, that person's being really, you know, confrontational right now. Yeah. And so I've got a good policy. I don't respond straight away. I take time, you know, you take a break and I come back. Sometimes I come back a couple of days later and I read that email and I have no idea what I was reacting to. It's like, no, they're not being confrontational, <laughs> actually, you know. And this is a great teaching. If someone says something, you know, we see it in our close relationships a lot and it triggers us, you know? It might be the habit of the relationship. It might be the particular mind state that's present. Yeah. We like rain. We don't like rain. That's a habit of our mind. We need to go out to walk the dog. That's impacting our experience. Yeah. There's so many examples of this. Different ways of looking shape experience. And so what this means, yeah, what this means is, you know, our experience, you know, we have this tendency as humans to think things are objective, they're neutral, they're like this, you know. 
but our experience is actually um, and we'll use this word fabricated Nathan used it this morning I think made up yeah made up of parts shaped put together yeah many causes and conditions that impact our experience Yeah. including the mind. And this is really central for us, including the mind, the heart, mind, the chitta. Yeah. It's really crucial for us, really central for us that it's not just, you know, the weather. It's not just my gender. It's not just the society I grew up. It's not just my family history. Yeah. It's the particular state habit, mood, way of relating in the mind. And this is crucial for us because this is our business. This is what we're doing here. <laughs> what are we doing here? We're here. Yeah. I think I speak for all of us. Yeah. Because to some degree, yeah, we're interested in exploring this. Yeah. We're interested in investigating what is this human kind of miracle and sometimes really challenging thing, this human condition, this human experience. Yeah. We're interested. It's a field of exploration, investigation, and cultivation. Yeah. This heart-mind, how does it operate? How does it fabricate? What brings well-being? What brings non-well-being? Dukkha. So through practice, we deepen, you know, we deepen our understanding of the chitta, of this heart-mind and how it operates. Yeah. And when we understand, you know, it's like we, we've got this great gift, you know, this perfect lab <laughs> that we each received at birth, this particular heart-mind body. And we learn about this one, but what we learn about this one is usually very applicable to all of us. And it goes beyond the individual. So through practice, we deepen our understanding of the cheetah and how it operates. And we develop clarity. Yeah. Clarity of seeing how is experience shaped, built up, put together, fabricated. The particular experience and experience in general. And we also yeah, really develop the malleability and flexibility of the cheetah, the heart and mind. You know, this is so beautiful and so important. Mm. More flexibility, more malleability, more fluidity. Which means that we increase the range of the ways of looking that are available for us, ways of relating that are available for us. We also increase the capacity to shift and flow yeah, from what is appropriate. Use that word a lot today in the Q&A. What is appropriate? What is helpful right now? So we increase the range. And we cultivate ways of looking that free. Yeah. 
And that's another um, way of speaking about insight. Yeah. And Rob's book that many of you may know, Seeing That Freeze. Insight, seeing that freeze. So using this lab, this field, that we have such access to in order to cultivate and develop ways of looking that free us, yeah, and the capacity to incline the mind to them. So we both develop them, we strengthen them, and we also develop and strengthen our ability to incline the mind to that which frees, untangles, unbinds. And so this is our practice. And, you know, sometimes when I speak about it, like I'm doing right now, I, I feel, um, I almost can't speak because I feel like, wow, you know, what a, what fortune we have, what good fortune we have, that this is possible for us to some degree. So precious. So precious. So this is our practice. And I want to go back now to what we did at the beginning of the session. It wasn't that long ago, but I've said quite a lot since then. So I'll remind you just that, um, just that bringing in the attitude of welcoming, just meeting the body, meeting the mind and heart and seeing if we can welcome them. If we can soften tension in the body, relax the body, relax the breath, so that we can meet more fully and welcome more fully. And so, you know, I asked you then, how did that impact your experience, that attitude of welcoming either yourself or another? Yeah. And this is another wonderful thing, you know, sometimes it's easier to do it with our own experience and sometimes actually our gateway is through meeting another being, opening to them in that way. So how did it impact your experience? And I, I'm going to invite you, if you wish, to put that into the chat now, if anything comes. Um, we just have a couple of minutes for that, just to see what your experience was, if, if you remember. A sense of softness and, and more calmness. A sense of belonging, a smile, more lightness, friendliness, and the mind brightened, a sense of ease. Gentle opening and softening, friendliness, yeah, letting be, acceptance, gratitude, warmth, yeah, more gentleness, heartwarming, web of friends, yeah, openness, togetherness. Enjoyed seeing so many people involved in this session, mm. space.
Yeah. And we can feel now also what happens when we read. <laughs> yeah. This amazing, isn't it? We're like musical instruments of like the most, you know, incredible beauty. Yeah. Cause like we read this and we're, we're touched homecoming. Yeah. Impacted. You know, and what did we do? It felt emotional to be welcoming and to be welcomed by so many people. Contentment, purpose, presence. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so what did we do? We just spent, you know, a really pretty brief amount of time. Yeah. Just making contact with this, you know, just welcoming, just finding different ways of tuning in to this quality. So that the intention itself opened something up. Yeah. And in that shaped experience and impacted perception. And it's so valuable to notice this. Yeah. Yeah, so there's more things coming in, but I think we'll we'll uh, kind of I know I'm sure more people have things to say, but we'll just let the chat kind of go into back to silence now. It's really helpful to notice this. So if you haven't had an opportunity to write yet, you can just feel it for yourself. Yeah. Intention opens something up. Looking in a certain way, if we come back to the ways of looking, looking in a certain way. Yeah. This is another, you know, really important thing. At any given moment, so much, so many different choices that we have of what we bring attention to and how. So many things going on. <laughs> and usually where attention goes is habitual. It's conditioned. It goes in certain ways. Yeah? It's grooves in the mind. Goes to certain objects and relates in particular ways. And so this insight of ways of looking reminds us there's actually always something we can do. Yeah. There's actually always something we're already doing. <laughs> we just don't know because it's such a strong habit. It's transparent to us. We don't see it. It's unseen. It's already something we're doing. Yeah. And there's always something else we can do. If I go back to that example with the dog, you know, so the way I kind of described it with the dogs barking, you know, I was just saying, oh, it was, you know, sometimes it was this, sometimes it was that, sometimes it was that. But of course, I was also practicing. <laughs> yeah. And so the capacity to incline, incline the mind to metal compassion is really there. So the irritation may arise. But that's not the end. You know, I notice. Yeah. And then remember, malleability, flexibility, possibility. <laughs> So 25 years of practice are good for something. <laughs> yeah. Capacity to, even when there's irritation, yeah. always the possibility of metta. And it might, and this is really important to say, you know, it might be if there's a lot of self-judgment that's arising that I can't quite get the metta to go to somebody else, yeah, to the dogs or to, um, to their owner owners yeah but then i have the possibility to bring the meta in here yeah. so this thing that we say sometimes about meta it's boundless you know this is one of the ways the buddha was 
talked about it, immeasurable, boundless, illimitable. It's also because we can always bring it somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it might be to another, yeah, because that's the easy way right now. Yeah, it might be to oneself. It might be to somebody who's not even in that situation. Yeah. Someone that it's easy for us to generate matter towards. And then again, that's that matter, you know, just like we did at the beginning now. Might be that it's easier to feel that gladness with another. So there's always something we can do. And so a real sense of care with this, you know, um, often in practice, what comes in very naturally is um, our relationship to ourselves, yeah, habitual ways we relate to ourselves. And we need to have a lot of care there because yeah? there might be a real wish to bring metta or bring welcoming, yeah, or bring presence, yeah, and it's not happening. <laughs> and then that sense is like, oh, it's, it's me, something wrong with me, you know, and that non-meta, yeah, builds up in this dukkha. Remembering that, you know, this is a strong momentum for many of us. Yeah. But it's not what the practice is about. So can we use the things we did just at the beginning here? Yeah. Soften any tension. Really helpful. Soften any tension in the body. relax contraction yeah open up the body space as we've been doing in the meditations if we can yeah opening to another yeah that brings a sense of well-being yeah. using all of that yeah remembering and trusting your intention our practice is so much about intention and trusting in that intention seeing the beauty in that intention, yeah. Seeing the power in that intention. So there's always something we can do and we've been really exploring that yeah, in the practice today, yesterday, and I'm sure for many of you in, in your previous experience. Yeah. And if we just look at really basic mindfulness, yeah. Bring attention to an object in meditation. Yeah, what are we doing there? First of all, we tune in to a particular object. Yeah, the breath, the body, we, that's part of what's going on. We're choosing something. And we're tuning into that. Going against the habit of the mind, which is just to go from one thing to the other. Yeah. So we tune into something in particular out of the infinite possibilities that are available to us. And that has a lot of significance. And then the way we pay attention. So what we pay attention to and how. Yeah. So in that way of paying attention, there's interest. Yeah. There's kindness. Yeah in the way we're paying attention. Yeah. And that shapes experience. Yeah. So when we're mindful, the cheetah, the heart mind is colored with kindness and interest, colored by our intention. And we know the opposite. <laughs> we might be paying attention with a lot of harshness and, harshness and impatience. Yeah. 
And we know how that impacts experience. Ever worked for you? <laughs> Not really, yeah? Struggle. And this gets, this goes, you know, we can find more and more subtle ways that, that we're doing this, the harshness. Yeah. So we find the harshness and we find ways of softening. Yeah. And relaxing and releasing tension around that. That's all ways of bringing metta. Or times when we're um, swept up in a, in a wave of papancha. Nathan was talking about the papancha train yesterday. Papancha, this Pali word. Um, I like to think about it as a, a storm of thoughts. <laughs> it's like we're kind of engulfed in a storm of thinking. Yeah. It's, quite, it's quite an experience uh, that we have on quite a regular basis. And that two colors, the cheetah, you know, impacts perception, shapes experience, you know, that sense of, you know, going on. And again, like, feel into the body. We know this experience. Feel into the body right now. What does that feel like when it's there? Yeah. What does it feel like? Yeah. When we're on the papancha train. So we're always already doing something. <laughs> And our practice, when we understand that there's ways of looking, ways of relating, is to notice what's going on, to see how we can soften, to see what other possibilities are there, and to cultivate those. So there's always a way of looking. There's always a lens yeah, of perception that's impacting what we experience. Never neutral. Never neutral. And this all, this has an impact and it's great news. Sometimes people hear this and, you know, one understandable response might be, oh, this is really depressing. You know, there's always these ways of looking, ways of relating. Most of the time we don't see them, you know, oh gosh, you know, how do we even start? You know, but actually this is really good news. Yeah. Because this is, you know, this is the route to freedom. We can explore this. As I said earlier, you know, we know this in our, in our experience. And we can deepen that understanding further and further and further. So this is an insight, you know, not just to say, okay, she said this. It says next to her name, retreat teacher. So, you know, she must know what she's talking about. I'm just going to believe her. Yeah. It's not, it's not quite, you know, what I'm inviting you to do, as flattered as I, as I am, that I've just imagined you thinking that. <laughs> Isn't the mind wonderful? Yeah. So this is an insight to chew on, yeah, to explore, to play with, yeah, to apply, to practice with, yeah, to see for yourself. How is this true? What are the avenues that this opens? Yeah. So this insight, yeah, that all experience, all experience is fabricated, shaped, built up, put together, yeah, made up of parts. Yeah, all experience. All experience dependent on the mind. 
shaped by the citta, by the heart and mind. So metta, yeah, is also a way of looking. Yeah, it's also a way of looking. It's also a way of relating to experience. But what is interesting about metta is that, um, you know, along with many other wholesome ways of looking, it fabricates less. And particularly, it builds up less dukkha. And when there's less buildup of dukkha, there's more well-being. There's more well-being. So when we explore metta, when we explore insight, this is what we're cultivating with playfulness and with patience. As Nathan was saying, playfulness and patience. And so you may be kind of asking the question, you know, How or why does metta fabricate less dukkha? Yeah. And this is something we'll, we'll kind of unpack a lot over the days, but I'll just say a little bit now, you know. And again, referring to your own experience. So when there's metta, What's the experience of spaciousness? When there's a sense of metta, when there's a sense of kindness, friendliness, goodwill, care, how much space is there and how much contraction? And just feel for yourself in your experience. When that's present, when there's a meta present, yeah, the sense of kindness, of friendliness, of goodwill, of well wishing, of care. Yeah, and that's present. How much sense of struggle is there with experience? Yeah. And how loud is the sense of me? Yeah, it's really interesting. How loud, how prominent, how central is the sense of me, of mine? And how solid are the boundaries between you and others? Yeah. So these are all things to, to just kind of have there in the, in the field of our exploration. Not make, you know, don't, please don't kind of make this into a big project, but just something to feel once in a while to ask ourselves. Yeah. When there's meta present to some degree, what happens to contraction in the body? in the heart and mind, what happens to spaciousness? What happens to a sense of struggle? How loud and dominant is the sense of me, 
of I, of mine. And how solid are the boundaries between self and other. And what's the sense of possibility? What's the sense of possibility? So please don't just agree or disagree with me. <laughs> yeah. That's another human tendency we have. We agree or disagree. And then we call it done. <laughs> so don't just agree or disagree. Yeah. Another beautiful thing Rob used to say is listen on your toes. Yeah. Uh, this is the invitation, yeah. To make this an edge for growth, for learning, for exploration. Mm. That's, that's what we're doing here. Listening on our toes. Playing with this in this lab of a human body, heart and mind. Cultivating understanding, clear seeing, and ways of looking that fabricate less dukkha for ourselves and for others. Yeah. I don't know about you, but that sounds really worthwhile to me. So let's have a, a quiet moment together to bring this to a close. So may our practice together nourish wisdom, clear seeing, and metta in each of our hearts. And may it nourish clear seeing and metta in the world that we share. May our practice be a benefit and a support to all beings everywhere and to the earth itself. So thank you for your presence and your listening and your practice. Whatever the experience of this talk, it's shaped by your mind and your heart. Yeah. as well as by other conditions.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.